0: You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organisations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso.
1: Welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. If you're listening for the first time, we welcome you and welcome back to our regular listeners. As always, we'd love your feedback, reviews, guests you'd like to hear about, and you can contact us at podcast at renegerusso.com. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest, Paul Farina. Paul is obsessed with high performance without the sacrifice of relationships, health and fulfillment. He is an educator and the author of an amazing book that I've just had the pleasure of reading called The Rhythm Effect a leader's guide in team performance. He partners with leaders, teams and organizations and speaks to groups about the power of rhythm and how professionals of all types can master it to synchronize their teams and create meaningful progress. So welcome, Paul.
0: Thanks, Renee, great to be here.
1: Yeah, I've been really looking forward to our conversation and I just know our listeners will glean so much value and um, so let's, let's um, deep dive in. So I always, I always love to ask Paul how, you know, what, tell us a little bit about you and how you've got to where you are today. You know, what's been your leadership journey?
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, the, the start of uh, my story really starts as a sporty kid, um, you know, from the age of six years old, it was cricket, it was tennis, it was soccer, it was football, you know, all these sorts of things. And uh, even throughout those formative years, even in the schoolyard, I tended to be the kid that uh, umpired the game or, you know, sort of got the game together and was a bit more vocal and, and got things going and those sorts of things. And that sort of then bred into, um, you know, throughout my career, uh, whether it was, and, and I went on to play some professional cricket. So, you know, whether it was coaching or playing, Um, And even when I wasn't the captain, I tended to be the person that uh, found myself being a selector. I found myself Mm -hmm. being the confidant for for the captain. I found myself running training drills and those sorts of things. So leadership, in a sense, kind of followed me a little bit. Now, I I still to this day don't really know why, but when I then went into my post-sport career – I, I straight away went into super roles and then assistant manager roles and then management roles and then mm. roles of bigger businesses and bigger areas and, and these sorts of things. So, um, you know, whether it was from that uh, instinctual stage and, and really just being a part of the group and wanting to enjoy it and found myself being at the forefront of that, or then throughout my corporate career, I found myself in those leadership roles and Quite frankly, I quite enjoyed them. Um, I found them super challenging. I, I found them quite confronting as well. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, to the point I'm at now, when I reflect on that, it helped me figure out who I was as well.
1: I love, I love that. It sounds like it's a natural progression, and you know it. It and it started at a young age, and that really resonates with me because I was quite similar. Not, not I was wasn't sporty at all. <laughs> quite the opposite, but. Um, I think you know everything we do leads us to where we are and who we're becoming. And if I asked you, how have you become you?
0: I think that the only way that—and that's a huge question, by it the way—really interesting. Oh, no, I've been in asked wanted, to, that before. <laughs> I wanted to throw
1: that throw that one at you. Um, how how have you become you?
0: My, my my reaction to that is I think that I've I've gone and had a crap. I've gone to to experience. So I came from. I grew up in the Adelaide Hills in, in South Australia. Um, at the, about the age of 21 or so, I travelled over to the UK as a professional cricketer. And I kind of never came back in a sense that I went over for six months and I ended up being there for like over a decade. And then now wow. I, I, I came back to Melbourne about eight or nine years ago. And um, <clears throat> what that meant was in my own little way, I was constantly just trying, going and trying stuff. And I always felt that I was a bit of a scaredy cat, you know, as a, as a natural. But when I reflect on it, I, I actually look at it. I took a, quite a few leaps of faith, mm. whether that was at school or going to travel or trying different things with my career. Yeah. And so I think what's made me me is that natural way of just going to try things and doing things,
2: mm. even
0: when I'm not sure. And, uh, and then these days, I think what I've started to practice a lot more and which has helped me to be me and find out who I am is also a reflection on that. So yeah. I do a lot of purposeful reflection on those experiences and trying to figure out, well, what were they about? What did they mean? What did I learn? And uh-huh. um, and that can help me sort of to reconcile all sorts of things that help me to move forward as well.
1: And I love that because I think, you know, there's been a lot of clients I've been working with lately Lack of reflective time, and it's building these workplace cultures where they're just caught up in the doing and not the being. And how do you know where you're going? How do you know you know what those opportunity gaps are, unless you take a step back and reset, recharge, and what I say, refocus. I love a little um, piece I read that you wrote where you said, and I think this links in beautifully to what you just said. You know. Don't worry about what the other kids are doing. And that's what your mum used to tell you, you know, when you weren't allowed to get the latest sneakers or go to a party. Such wisdom. We need to run our own race and forget about comparison, popularity, or what the herd is doing. And, you know, you've said this has helped you build resilience and a healthy mindset to question and consider your actions and, and those actions of others, which I love. And that's that you know, that whole curiosity piece, which it sounds like you really live that as a value in your life.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I used to get super frustrated when I couldn't get what I wanted, like most kids. And uh, I grew up in a pretty disciplined household. And so a lot of the time is like, Paul, no, you can't get that. And my answer to that, like many kids, is, yeah, but all the other kids are going, all the other kids are getting it. You know, why not me?
1: Yep.
0: And mum would always say, don't worry about what everyone else is thinking and doing. Mm -hmm. Worry about what you're doing. And, of course, it was the sort of thing that you go, whatever, mum, no way, you know, that's not fair and all that sort of stuff. And if I was to answer that question of what's the best advice you ever had, it would probably be that. And so as you grow up, you understand that you've got your own mind, you've got your own way, and this then helps you to, in the moment, what i found is that actually just following the crowd being a part of the crowd, going on trend, um, a lot of the time there's not a huge amount of value in that. No and, no. and there's actually, it can actually be quite dangerous with, you know, we've seen the research on group thing, for instance, where everyone oh. just comes in line. Yeah. And that's it's the antithesis of innovation or problem solving yeah. or just trying to figure stuff out. So, you know, coming back to, you know, really what I do a lot of work on at the moment, we, we find ourselves fighting the wrong fight yeah. and putting a huge amount of energy and effort and into the
2: space. And and yeah,
0: th- that's right. That's right. And it, a lot of it's happening between the ears. That's and it can right. And happening culturally as well. So
2: yeah. um,
0: I think there's a huge amount of value in that. Mum was right after yeah. all. Yeah,
1: they, uh, they, they, they always are. And I think um, it is important. I mean, the whole comparison syndrome, you know, if we can touch on that. You know, I I can't tell you how many people that I work with, especially um, in in the group, you know, C-suite group one-on-one that have this issue with comparison that you would never pick up from an outsider. And, you know, something I I don't know who said it years ago, but they said, Renee, nobody is you. Mm. Nobody's you, Paul. Mm. You know, we're all unique in our own way. And I've always thought about these three things that we all have um, you know we have capability we have courage and we have capacity and I think sometimes if you've got the capability you've got the courage but maybe you know you're working part-time or you're coming back from having kids be kind on yourself and go I don't have the capacity to fly at the level I used to that's okay you're being the best that you can um, and I was interested in there's a bit in your book around it you know it's it's a term that was coined many years ago around social loathing you know and when teams get together do you you want to run through that because i think that would be helpful for those leaders and business owners out there that have teams where everyone might not and usually aren't motivated at the same level
0: so this idea of social loafing was something i came across when i was looking at team performance and, and leadership and just trying to understand What are the things that stop us? And it's really weird, this idea that when we're in a group, when we're in a team, actually that's one thing that stops us from performing at our best. It's something that kind of like, that doesn't sound right because humans are generally pretty good at coordinating Mm. and collaborating and we like being together. We're tribal beasts. This idea of social loafing is when we fundamentally know that our individual performance will be diluted by the people around us. So Mm. what does that mean? I can duck and dive. No one's going to really pay attention to what I'm doing. Maybe what I'm doing doesn't matter as much because I'm a part of a bigger group rather than just being by myself.
2: Yeah, so I think this
0: is easy for us to understand, but that psychology really does bleed into our oh,
1: Yeah, it does. It does. And I love, can you just run through the example you used in the book that was based on a, some research and a study done?
0: Yeah, so the, the, original, the original research that was done on that, and I think it started in like the, the 50s or 60s and yeah. then it's been repeated many, many times. So, yeah, there's, um, the, the, the original one I believe was around using uh, a tug of war. So when they got an individual to basically pull a rope as hard as they could, when they did it as an individual, it, uh, it was they'd get a measurement on that. Then they put them together with a group be able to measure how much that individual is doing, Excellent. and that do how less. Yeah. What was interesting is when that individual was partnered with somebody, and they were told that this other person was very, very good at pulling rope, then they actually tried less. Yeah. So, and then they another famous one is they repeated this with trying to yell as loud as you could. So they've done it with a few various mm-hmm. things, and uh, and what this tells us is that actually. When an individual is not performing so well, particularly in a team, sometimes what we'll do with good intention, by the way, is we'll come in and we'll try to help them. We'll try to give them stuff. We'll try and try and maybe give them a buddy or match them up. Or, or, and actually there's a lot of give, give, give. Yeah. And, and what, this, what I've found is that this ends up with us fundamentally what I call robbing people of their struggle. Yeah. So, if you imagine a five-year-old trying to, you know, um, put a puzzle together for fun, a toy, hmm. and you see that they're struggling with it, and then you just go over and just, like, do the puzzle for them, oh, there you go. Do you think the kid's going to be happy with that? No. But it takes away all the fun, right? Yeah. And, and we do this it's with the
1: experience team. and the process that leads to the progress.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So. The best thing we can do is not take the responsibility away from the individual, not take the struggle away from the individual. The way that we can support them is to ask them what they can do, what they need to do, not what I need to do to, to do it for you. Yeah. And, and, and I think this idea of that's how we can circumvent that idea of social loafing and making sure we're not promoting it. Yeah. Because that, I, that's what I see a lot of the time. Good, hardworking, well-intentioned leaders their response to these sorts of situations is to rob the struggle yep. and what that ends up creating is more work and, and something else that happens with social loafing as well. When we, when we react like that, when we take on more work as a leader and rob the struggle,
2: mm. we
0: create resentment as well.
1: That, and it's usually, would you agree, Paul, it's usually subconscious and I think it takes away what I think is the, the guts of leadership leaders should be creating future leaders and if you're not empowering if you're not letting people you know stuff up make mistakes take risks learn those lessons and have what i call a gift mindset you know look at the gift in every situation good or bad that's what actually happens um yeah it's fascinating we we do a lot as you know on motivational mapping with teams and i agree with you motivation comes from within so when you're doing something for someone in your team or you're giving them something or you're offering them the carrot, you know, the holiday, they're all external motivators. But if you go, hey, are you a problem solver? Does that light you up? Or do you love chasing goals? People will answer that straight away. Put two different people together, one that loves looking at what could go wrong, um, potential pitfalls and problems. Look, get them with a person that loves to achieve game get and stay focused on the goal. And guess what? They're a dream team. Mm. What happens, and I see it and it's, you know, in my last 15 years work, is the goal person thinks the problem solver's a negative nitpicker pain. And the problem solver thinks the goal oriented person is gun ho and out of control. And then that forms what we,
0: we both know is... Kind, the, kind of sounds like me and my wife, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey,
1: I, hey I'm, re, I'm resonating with that. But, but, but it's, it's, it's interesting and, a, and that forms what, what we say is a personality clash, which I'm not a believer in. Mm. It forms a communication breakdown.
2: So exciting. So
1: So, yeah. exciting. so yeah. if we can appreciate, compliment and leverage each other's motivations and drivers... And really tap into what we love doing, not what we don't love doing. Find someone, hang out with people that are the opposite of you and then you leverage that. And I think that's that's so, you know, important. But, yeah, that part of your book, I really, uh, I'd heard of the research, but it really brought home, don't just assume because we're wired, get, you know, these social animals being us humans together and everything will work out. We've really got to tap into each person's motivation yeah so so paul we both do a lot you know in the leadership space and i'm a believer that everybody's a leader you're a leader of self a leader of others and potentially a leader of decisions and influence Mm. what what does leadership mean to you if you had to sum it up
0: it's a big question and i think that that if we're going to boil it down Mm. um, to what it really means to me it's the ability for an individual to fundamentally, proactively uh, change what's what's ahead. Yeah. So I think we have hundreds and hundreds of leadership opportunities every single day. You could be the most junior person in the office and you still have hundreds of opportunities every day. And I think that in the moment of whatever's going on, and it's, it's usually mundane stuff, by the way, uh, we have a choice. Yep. Yeah. We have a choice to either act and proactively act or, or not. And there's a huge amount that sits underneath that. So I think the first thing that sits underneath it is is the activity that I'm doing, is the action, is the decision I'm making in service to others? Yeah. Is it benefiting others? Because if you think of the, the world-famous people you might think of Tony Robbins you might think of Oprah you might think of in the commercial world you might think of say uh, Ralph Lauren or, or what, mm. what what are these people actually doing what what are they doing as leaders of their industry or, or or those things yeah they're fundamentally serving a huge amount of people
1: that's right and I love that it's that whole service mindset and you know servant leadership and it's and it's would you agree like some of the best leaders you come across and this can be virtual leaders we've never met or leaders obviously we work with uh, are the ones that find out what their team wants and add value and get value and grow in the process and I think I think it's a um it's an ongoing journey I that's where the term limitless leaders comes from mm-hmm. uh, is we've got to learn, unlearn, relearn and evolve. And the leadership journey is continuous. People that say, oh, you know, I'm probably one of the best leaders in the business. Great. But you can always be continually evolving because not only does the team and the market and the corporate landscape change, but we change. You know, I asked you before, how have you become you? And I reckon if I ask you that this time next year, you know, we're always becoming the next version of ourselves. And I think as leaders, that is super exciting. I, I feel lit up even it saying is, that. It is. Yeah. And, and
0: I actually find that quite refreshing as well because if I look at the work that I've done with the Rhythm Effect, I, I love yeah. how I've studied this, uh, this, this idea. I've put yeah. together this framework and then I look at the framework every day and I see myself in the mid to bottom range of it in a, in a lot that, of things like, I, I have not mastered this stuff no. you know far from it and there is a huge amount of opportunity for me to get better and better and better at this stuff and i, I find that quite cool even yeah. um I, I yesterday i was having a client meeting and we we're preparing to do a uh training session uh where we're going to be going through coaching and we'll mm-hmm. be taking this group through the grow model we, yeah. anyone who's done uh, a any amount of leadership would have come across a growing model, probably use it. Now I've used that model probably about well hundreds of times myself. And even in that meeting I had yesterday, I saw opportunities in how I can use it better myself.
1: That I love I love that. I think that's um Paul, you're like me, you're highly energetic and lit up. And it's I think it's because we're on purpose. And as much as we grow others, we grow through that experience, which What what a gift that is for us.
0: It's it's really good fun and I think it took me a while to learn that.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't need to know everything. I don't need to be the best at everything. I don't need to have got there, you know, actually to openly admit that I'm not the master of this stuff. Uh, right. and, and I, I'm, I'm still learning god that takes a lot of pressure off it's great
1: <laughs> it, it does but it opens doesn't it would you agree it opens up your mind it's um someone the other day where i've been writing a lot two months ago or september it was curiosity so every year in september it's curiosity month across the world um and someone said to me what is the best tip to be curious and to be open for growth and i actually thought about what i do so the minute I think something. So just say I go, wow, Paul's amazing. So just say, Paul, you and I work in the same company. Paul's amazing. That's a statement. But if I go, what is it about Paul that makes him amazing? If I flip that statement into a question, you open the portal to curiosity, you open the door to it. Um, And I think you've just hit the nail on the head around, you know, being and going into facilitation and those out out there listening, most leaders do facilitate and should be facilitating, you know, don't have one-dimensional telltale talking head team meetings, facilitate Mm -hmm. conversation, you know, go in with that mindset, Um, lots of questions and, you know, as you know, Paul, coaching to me is simply delegating thinking. That's all it is. You're asking questions to empower so you can do the stuff that matters. Yep. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the rhythm effect. So I'm, I'm going to just jump ahead a bit. And, you know, I've got your amazing book in front of me here that you released in 2020, um, The Rhythm Effect. Tell us a bit about the book. And I would love to just give the listeners an overview of the three building blocks of rhythm and how cool. they could apply that.
0: Cool. All right. So um, fundamentally, and I'll, I'll uh, long story short, when I was looking at high performance or looking at when was I at my best or when do people perform at their best, i got to be honest, I was really bored with the stuff that I was presenting. Mm. And it was very theoretic. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to be the same yeah. stuff that we were talking about in the 70s. And I just needed to find something different. So I really reflected on myself. and like, when, was, when was I at my best yeah. as a performer and as a leader? And it boiled down to this idea of rhythm. And that just made complete mm-hmm. sense in my world. So I went out and studied, well, what makes people in rhythm? How, how does that work? And from an individual point of view, it boiled down to three things. And they're so not sexy, it's not funny, right?
1: Yeah, but they make sense. Oh, I found it easy to grasp. It's stuff we know, yeah, well, but at a meta level.
0: Yeah, so, so the first thing is the technical skills. Uh, that removes doubt when we know this the the stuff that we're qualified in the technical things that we need to be able to do then all of a sudden i'm not scared of the question that's going to come from the client i'm not scared of having to face that situation i'm not ducking and diving away from the situation so i can Mm -hmm. relax the second thing is the analytical skills so that's fundamentally, and that's another word for saying, yeah, understanding our strategy and making sure it's aligned with everything. So from the why we're doing mm-hmm. stuff to what we're doing to how we're going to do it, and mm-hmm. I came up with something called the 5, 5M framework, which um, I've, I've now utilised over the last couple of years with some clients, and they're using it as the backbone of their strategies as well, which is great. I'm, I'm so pleased to see that, that framework being used by executives to that figure out. Yeah. What are we doing? What does two years, three years from now look like and how does that look like in our behaviours and everything in between? And then the final, so that's those two things, the technical and the analytical. is our performance base. Yeah. What brings that alive now is kind of how we, we kind of animate that, which mm. is the social skills. Yeah. And yeah. the social skills that I've boiled it down to, from a performance point of view, but through the lens of leadership, it, it really does amplify is three things, humility, audacity and tenacity
1: nice
0: and put that all together and keep on working that and practicing and improving that and that's where we're going to get rhythm from
1: i love it and and why is rhythm if if i just said to you what is rhythm and why does it matter
0: rhythm is the ability to synchronize so if you think of something as simple as uh, i play golf so golf swing um A golf swing is all about being able to synchronize your body, all your bits of your body, because pretty much every major muscle group is used,
2: mm. and it's
0: all about the timing between them. Uh, when I talked to a client recently and we looked at the identity, so we looked at how do we want to view our team, what do we want, to, what, what do we want our team to be and associate with, yeah. and it was a yeah. beautiful comment that he made. He said, oh, we, we need to be like a jazz band.
1: Yeah, I love
0: that. I love that analogy. Yeah. So we need, we need to be able to riff off each other. We need to be able to trust each other. We need to sort of synchronise with each other, right? And, so
1: mm-hmm. and, and embrace is, the unknown.
0: Yeah. So, so when we're in rhythm, you know, we can easily adapt to our environment, the different stimulus that's coming up. We can self-manage in, in, um, internally as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of value in that. So what does that produce? That produces calm. It promotes trust. Yeah, yeah these sorts of things
2: and What's, it's and it's
1: rhythm in yourself building a cadence of rhythm yep. and it's rhythm in the output from a team and yep. organizational perspective yep.
0: So if you were to look at um, a dancer or if you were to look at uh, a a singer or whatever the case may be, at the top of their game and they make it look effortless, it's so smooth, it's so beautiful, that's 20 or 30 years of damn hard work behind that. Now, you think of that same dancer who hasn't put in the work and they will be working extremely hard on stage. It will be clunky. It yeah. will it will look funny. They'll be having a horrible time. So I hope yeah. everyone can see the analogy between that and what's happening in our workplace. No,
1: I love it. I love it. Because so, you know, as we know, a lot of people nearly half the population are visual. So being able to see that. And I think I think you're right. I think it's um, you know, it's being in flow. I know like you, I'm at a point now with with you know, I've run thousands of workshops. It's not that I'm not in the moment, but it's almost an out of body experience because mm-hmm. I just get so in tune with, you know, holding the room and leading the room, and it's it's the same thing. And I, I love, I just I just love the book. So if our listeners out there want to get your book, I'm holding it up, but you can't see me. <laughs> um, where do they get it?
0: Uh, so if you go to therhythmeffect.com, uh, you'll have all the information there about what's in the book, who it's for, um, you know, a whole bunch of people who have read it and their comments yep. on it. And you can buy it from there, but you've also got a whole list of stockers there as well. So wherever That's you get right. it from, it's available there. Just click on the link and you can go for it.
1: Well done because I know how much work goes into a book and it's just beautiful to have it all, you know, you could almost read that book and, you know, make some, you know, I've got notes all over it. Take those things, you know, those gems away and, Like you said, you know, I believe ripples create waves, start Mm. small, what do Mm. I need right now? Mm. If people out there just wanted three quick tips to just get some rhythm happening, because life's, you know, chaotic where, especially at a leadership level, juggling strategy, structures, systems, skills, people, life and a million other things. You know, what are three simple sort of tips they could take away today and implement?
0: Yeah, really good. So... Once again, super unsexy. Uh, The first thing is, I I use this term, always be going to school. So just go to the school on the stuff that you know you need to improve.
2: Mm. Have
0: a serious, like, look in the mirror moment where you look at your team and you say, what's the basics that maybe we're doing okay? Maybe two or three people are doing excellently, but everyone's not. Yeah. Let's just raise our hand on that stuff, and it's usually just we don't. It's so simple we don't like to admit it. Yeah. Yet the amount of value that if we get everybody doing this one or two, three, uh, two or three things, basics that are, they, but they're doing them excellently, consistently all the time. That's your starting point. So that's the that's the first tip I would give. The second one would be as a leader, um, we need to. We definitely need to take that. When we started in this conversation, we need to take that time to reflect. So in facilitation word, we use the term go slow to go fast. If we're not making a practice out of reflecting and and really taking all those observations on ourselves and on our team and and on on our market and being able to reflect on it to figure out what are the basics, what are the strategic things that are not right or where we need to make changes. I think that's the second thing. So a lot of reflection just generally is going to help. The third thing is no matter what we're learning, no matter what we're looking to do, and, and let's face it, we're no, no matter what time uh, or what era we're in, there's always a lot of change happening, more than what we'd yeah, like that's to right. <laughs> um, so things are always changing. We are needing to adapt. We're needing to do new things. We're needing to improve all the time. Okay, let's take that as red. Mm. The problem I find is that when we try something for the first time or new, we usually stuff it up. We usually fail. We use, it's usually clumsy. And we're talking about coaching before. When, it, when I teach someone to go out and do a coaching conversation for the first time, it's, gonna it's, 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 it's going to feel weird. It's
1: funky. It's unnatural.
0: Yeah. All that sort of, so what's the thing that we need to do in that scenario? We need to practice. We need to practice over and over and over again. So build those practices uh, not only when we're doing something new, but over time. And, and what will end up happening is over a three-month period, six-month period, we'll develop maybe one or two or three or five practices and keep on building on that. And bring that back to rhythm, whatever our starting point is, if we look at six months' time or well, this time next year, if I was to practice two, three, four things and keep on practicing to the time I get to the end of that point, then that's going to help us build rhythm. Yes. So that, there's, there's a lot of value in that idea.
1: And it's, and it's just how, ha- you know, we go back to habits, you know, rituals and ways of thinking, being or doing at an unconscious level, bring them out into, into the light. And the other thing too, you know, an example, you know, you just used, you know, when, when, when we equip leaders with coaching tools, I always say to them, it's going to be clunky, but remember mm-hmm. the person you're talking to is not going to know the bit you stuffed up. So yeah. we're harder on, we're a harshest critic, as we know. They're, they're awesome tips, Paul. Thank you. Great. So, Paul, you know, I have a bit of a concept, which is my book that's, you know, hit the shelves this year, which I'm really excited about.
0: Gifting. I'm excited to get my hands on it. It looks great.
1: Thank you. It's a concept and a message I've lived my whole life without really realising it until a few years ago. And I penned it last year. Um, it's, it's And it's all about, you know, embracing a challenge or adversity or a crisis and also the successes we, we come across and distilling down those key lessons, looking at what did I learn from that and the bigger thing is sharing it. So with loved ones, children, family, your team, your organisation. And I really, really believe, and you, you know how passionate I am about this, if we build what I call a gift mindset culture, mm. where we share stories, where we have this openness and this consistent dialogue, the culture is going to be open. It's going to be connected, and it's going to be collaborative. Which are, you know, a lot of a lot of cultures now are very performance and transactional based. Mm. Mm. So there's twelve gifts, Paul, in in the book. So we talk about what it all is, and then we go into the twelve gifts, and each gift has an interview or a story. Some some key learnings, a model to apply. One of the 12 gifts is a gift of growth. And, you know, I've known you a little while and talking to you recently. I really feel you personify the gift of growth. So I'd love to ask you, you know, how has growth played out, you know, in your journey? You know, have you grown? Have you integrated it? Have you facilitated, and how has it transformed you?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm getting a lot better at recognizing this now. Mm. What growth looked like for me for for most of my life has been um, the worst times in my life.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: and if I yeah. if I even if I even look at um, look at that from a workplace perspective, when I was a young leader, um, you know, sort of cutting his teeth in his sort of mid twenties. I had a situation where I came into a business and my assistant manager was the person who trained me. So my subordinate yeah. was basically teaching me. Yeah. And by the way, I wouldn't recommend anyone ever do that. Uh, it's not a good practice, but at the time I just had to suck it Char- in.
1: Character building, yep.
0: <laughs> and what, what, what ended up happening was a business assistant manager would turn into my biggest nightmare. They were making my life really difficult. There was a huge yeah. power struggle between us. Um, you know, they really wanted what they wanted and and fundamentally in the interactions, this person was gaslighting me a lot of the time. And I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I was being accused of a lot of stuff. Um, it was really horrible. (laughs) It was really
2: a terrible
0: moment. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a moment, but I think I maybe just found my feet. I sort of put my big boy pants on and I started to ask a few more questions. I started to sit with the conversation a bit more. I started to not get intimidated and, and, and try and work things out with this person. And what I ended up doing was actually figuring out that this person didn't have a huge amount of power over me no. and that they actually had some issues going on. And by the way, <clears throat> this person ended up actually we, they ended up being taken out of the business by the police they were stealing from the business. Wow. This was all happening unbeknownst to me.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> I actually reflected on that. And at the time, uh, I learned a huge amount. I, I didn't realize that this person coming into my life was such a gift, as you put it.
1: I, I call but, them the gifts that keep giving. We need to. Oh and if you if you're listening and you haven't had a gift that keeps giving, you will.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And and Uh, so I I really hated that experience it it was one of the most confusing and confronting moments in my career particularly as I was you know sort of learning and starting Mm -hmm. out and those sorts of things but oh my god it does keep giving I reflect on it all the time and you know where I've come to is actually I'm very thankful I'm very grateful for that experience but also we talked before about what leadership is mm. and it's also taking responsibility. And yeah. I think I've got a lot of excuses in that scenario, but ultimately something pretty foul happened under my watch and I've got fingerprints on that. That's under my responsibility. Yeah, and, and wow. Imagine how much that has helped me now when I look through that lens now whenever I'm in any form of leadership um, the situation now. I so, love
1: that. It's giving you a different different perspective.
0: Yeah. And that's the tip of the iceberg. I yeah. think I could talk about that story for the next time. Oh,
1: half. it's amazing. So that's your, that's actually your gift story, your gift of growth story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just,
1: and I just, I love it. And the lessons out of that, you know, you've bought into your life and obviously I don't know you would, you'd be sharing that in the programs that you do mm-hmm. with clients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a big believer. I think our challenges can learn, can teach us the most, but I also see a lot of people having great successes in businesses that don't share how they've got there and they, they use it as a secret rep weapon and they, they sweep that under the rug. So the gift mindset is, you know, it's two sides of a coin. There's the, you know, the challenge and then there's the success. And I think both are just as important to share and thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Gosh, we could talk all day. I've got a few more questions for, you, for you just to, to finish up. So I'd love to I always ask people this. Who's somebody you admire and why?
0: Um, someone in the public eye, so pl- plenty of people in my private life, by the way, but maybe to talk about someone in, the, in, in public life, I would say Jürgen Klopp, who's the manager of Liverpool Football Club. Now I'm a Liverpool supporter. And uh, for those that don't know, you know, previous year uh, Liverpool won the, uh, the Premiership for the first time in 30 years, so it's been a pretty mm-hmm. tough few decades for us yeah. Liverpool supporters. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but it's beautiful to see this guy. Who is um he's just so authentic. And I kind of hate that word. It's a bit of a buzzword these days, but, but he's, he's real. He's, yeah, he's so real. And and he's he's turned this club from a club where a bit under resourced, you know, they they're not attracting the players. There's you know, there's a lot of things that aren't synchronized. You could see all of this stuff. And he came in and it took him four years. It took him four years to fundamentally build this culture um, build a persona build an identity for this for this team and they've now become a club that's that everyone wants to play for so it's not only that oh yeah I'm really happy that my team's winning it's how they're doing it and this guy Jürgen Klopp is central to it he's standing up for things politically as well he's trying to stand up to things injustices that are happening in the world Mm -hmm. game you know so from a political point of view within the game of football, Um, you know, how he speaks to the media, how he speaks about his players. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of attention, but he's not going to be a spokesperson for anyone. He's not going to just give the usual answers that we see so much in sports. So I look at – and I've collected a huge amount of data on this guy as well and heaps of interviews, and I, I think I could write a book just on him. And, uh, you know, so authentic, so real in your words. And yeah. um, I certainly, sometimes I find myself saying, what would Jürgen do in this situation?
1: Oh, I love it. And, and you, know, you, you know as well, and, and for those out listening, anyone you admire, you, it's called the mirror in psychology. Mm. You actually have those traits within you and you're real, Paul. And I'm not just saying that, you're very authentic. You're true to what you do. And I think, you know, you, you're right, authentic, real, it's almost being bold in what you believe in and, and not just following the pack. And, you know, I look at it too, from a leadership point of view and remember we're all leaders um, is I, I say, be a no leader. I think debate with intent, Trump's harmony for comfort's sake, you know, there's a lot of leaders that yeah, yeah, yeah. And they walk out of an SLT meeting and then they're like, Oh, we're not going to do that. What was that about? <laughs> so I think being, being real is really, really um
0: there's something, there's, there's something else to that as well. I think that's it's considered. Yeah. You know, we're not just opening yeah. our trap for the sake of it. We're not just calling a meeting for the sake of it. We're not just, you know, zigzagging or going against the grain for the sake of it. Yeah. It's considered. There's study. There's work behind it. It's for, It's, it, it, it's, care, al- yeah, it's is, aligned with everything else we're trying to achieve. Yeah,
1: yeah I love it. I love it. Um, second last little question, being sure. a limitless leader, and, you know, I think Limitless holds a lot of the unknown, embracing the unknown, evolving, learning, relearning and everything. Um, how being a Limitless leader, I think we need to have balance in our lives. I'll be the yes. first to say I'm not, not, I haven't mastered that because I, I'm very passionate um, about what I do. But what do you do to keep yourself focused and re-energised?
0: Uh, so I, I think actually I'm practicing what I'm preaching so I've formed a whole bunch of practices that I do daily or weekly and and um, that includes things like uh, doing a bit of cardio a few times a week in the morning uh, doing some yoga in the morning these days I'm doing yoga Beautiful. like two or three times a week yep. um, I, I journal uh, almost every day I do a gratitude journal as well so a lot of these things that we know scientifically now help us to build our resilience yep. but to use your term you know, energise these Keeping me energized. Um, I'm a social beast. So I try and get out and play golf with my mates. I try and get yeah. out and social. I pick up the phone a lot to yeah. family and friends as well. It's been so crucial over the last couple of years. Um, but I think it's good anytime anyway. And, um, and uh, then uh, a bit of food and wine as well. That goes a long way too. <laughs>
1: it does, all, all in moderation, and and I love that. And it's it's finding out what does energise you. You know, I love cooking. That's my. I'm not a yep. still person, so cooking a three course meal on a weeknight. I don't watch a lot of TV. That lights me up. Mm-hmm. Writing has always been mm-hmm. a hobby. Now it's a big part of what I do. I still love it, but it's different, as you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So some quick trivia. What Good. is your favorite word?
0: My favourite word has to be um, really the top of the pyramid for me, which is calm. calm. That's my favourite word. Yep.
1: It's even a calm word, isn't it? When you say it,
0: calm.
1: <laughs> Never thought of that. What about what's your favourite meal? Uh,
0: uh, or anything. Uh, <laughs> my favourite meal. Um, I would have to go for anything that's Thai or Vietnamese.
2: Is,
1: yes. Uh, I can't right. get yeah. Yeah. It's actually those sorts of meals are actually because they've got so many, especially Vietnamese. So we went to Vietnam a few years back. So many herbs in it. Well, actually, it was the only holiday I think I ever lost weight on, but I ate so much.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yep. And
1: last but not least, what's your favourite noise?
0: My favourite noise. You know what? Um, I love going to sporting events. I love going out to, to raise and to dancing and those sorts of things and to concerts. When you get a crowd, a big crowd of people in unison,
2: mm. you know,
0: singing or yeah. shouting or ex- experience a moment together, mm. there is something transcending about that.
1: I agree. It's like on an energetic level.
0: Oh, my God. Like, it, it just does something to me and I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Look, Paul, I've absolutely loved our conversation. I do think we could talk all day.
0: <laughs> absolutely. It's been great. <laughs>
1: and I'm sure that thank you so much for, for being on the Limitless Leaders podcast. And to our listeners out there, I'm sure you've gleaned a lot from there. You can get Paul's book at therhythmeffect.com. Yep, um, and yeah, some great things in there. Also too, um, my book, Gift Mindset, has recently launched, so you can get that through Booktopia, Amazon or your favourite bookstore. So awesome. keep keep an eye out for that. Thanks again, Paul, and wherever you are listening to this, in, in, enjoy your time.
0: Thanks, Renee. It's been fun. Thanks. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast Series at www.ReneeJeruso.com forward slash podcast series. That's ReneeJeruso.com forward slash podcast series.